Welcome to another episode of Laboratory Considerations from Q-Squared Solutions. I'm your host, Chris Connor. And joining me on this episode again is Barbara Nagaraj, Senior IT Architect at Biofortis, a Q-Squared Solutions company. Welcome back, Barbara. Thank you so much. Okay, this time we're going to talk about managing sample tracking data from vendors during clinical trials and some best practices around that. So in our previous episodes, we talked about sample tracking for clinical trials, how challenging it is to manage large amounts of data from those different sources. We also covered in our last episode, sample use and consent. And today we're going to talk about getting the data. Most clinical trials work with a variety of laboratory vendors and CROs to provide services during the course of a study. We're going to talk about that in the big picture. So to start us off, tell us what are a few of the biggest challenges in the industry when working with vendors that supply data. The biggest issue out there, I think, I would say that the, the biggest challenge is data disparity. So if we go back to the analogy of the ecosystem for a clinical trial, so lots of different members participating in moving the samples and the data around, each of those members function, I would say, relatively independently. So that means that they have their own systems in place to meet their own needs, right? Their own data systems to meet their needs, whether it's, you know, processing or storage of the samples or shipping and receiving, their data systems are designed to make their work the most efficient. Granted, they're providing data to the sponsors as part of their service offering, and often the sponsor has some requirements on the content, but not always. And I can touch on that actually a little bit later if you, but each vendor essentially has free will for the most part to reference the data in their systems as they need it. So this means that various aspects of the data, like the name, even just the name of the study, the sample type reference, the name of the visit or test type associated with the sample, that can take on different forms for different vendors. So that's the disparity piece. And then downstream, when all of the data needs to come together for tracking or submission, we really have to work hard to line up all these differences in the data. So everything is speaking the same language. That's really a big challenge. This takes resourcing from the study side for, for data management and the analytics team to piece everything together and often manually, which could look like hard coding data from vendors just to get that alignment. So imagine though, if there were global standards in place for vendor system setup, even just sponsor standards for nomenclature and structure of data, the effort then to, to harmonize all this information would be pretty greatly reduced. Um, now, I don't want to mislead and give the impression that all vendor data is a struggle. That's absolutely not true. There are some pretty common components within sample data that we see pretty regularly, like shipping and receiving details, requisition or manifest numbers that always has to accompany the sample, sample and subject identifiers, of course, right? The actual barcode on the tube and how a subject is identified. These components present in most vendor systems can be extracted and sent back to the sponsor, but it's the data values themselves that are potentially problematic. At its worst, 
We've seen some anomalies such as the application of a new vendor's ID to the sample. So the actual tube, they put their own sticker with their own barcode on it and then not actually track the original sample ID that arrived on the tube. Yes, we have definitely seen this. And so this situation poses really a tremendous challenge when trying to create chain of custody data for end-to-end -end tracking for, for all aspects of the trial. In this situation, we simply can't make the alignment happen if we don't have the original IDs. Less painful are maybe variations in visit and time point naming. So cycle one, day one, pre-dose, things like that, or using abbreviations or even full text strings. Remember, we're talking about data. This type yeah. of difference really then it's not going to cause tremendous problems, but it is a challenge to harmonize it all when you got to pull all the data together across all these different entities for a study. Yeah, it sounds like one, not just a challenge, but a risk it, to be able to pull that stuff back together. Because a, a, a lot of assumptions, of an error yeah, a lot of assumptions can be made. Uh, a lot of incorrect assumptions could be made. So then to avoid that, you're working back and forth with the vendor to try to understand what their data contains, what they called the visit, what they called the tube type, what they called the analysis. So do they have multiple records for a given sample in their data or just one? So th there's a lot of back and forth that has to happen then as well. To the untrained ear, it sounds as if you are translating instructions into a foreign language and then having someone else translate them back and hoping to get the same thing. <laughs> That's exactly that right. Fair? Yeah. Even in some software that we use, we call one of the features translation. So translating the data on the way into a single system so that everything is standardized. Yeah, that's exactly right. So are there differences in how to approach a vendor given the type of data being requested? In my experience, Absolutely. I think it's important to note that not every vendor has the capability to track every aspect of the sample data. We have to consider that some of these smaller, more specialty labs may not have a sophisticated data architecture or enterprise in place for managing sample tracking. We touched on this uh, in our very first episode. We see this a lot with university labs, for example. They have a small shop with just a few members to manage all aspects of receiving and analyzing the data. So their focus is really on getting the analytics and the assay right, less on the chain of custody. So their approach to sample tracking is not as robust as some of the bigger vendors. In these cases, we approach these smaller vendors more delicately, knowing that resourcing and data availability can definitely be an issue. We come to the table with what I would call a bare minimum set of criteria. And with that, offer more flexibility on the receiving side, so on our side, to accommodate any of the issues that I mentioned earlier. So we can support a small vendor simply by requesting maybe a full data dump of, of whatever they have, and then we work out the details around the data headers and the values you know, with their support, of course, to understand their data, but try to be as accommodating as possible. So then if also they have the ability to extract their data and format it in a way that's more aligned with the data for the rest of the study, we again, bare minimum, we would ask for them to reduce resources on their side. But if we're working with a larger, more sophisticated lab that has, say, a 
laboratory management system in place to house all of their data, we can be a bit more specific about the data points we're requesting, even more restrictive as to the structure and delivery of the data file. So likely these vendors will have more flexibility in how the data are being pulled out of their system, even some flexibility in how the data are delivered, whether it's by uh, email or transferring data maybe to a secure FTP or loading it into a vendor portal. For these bigger labs, we come to the table with a more formal set of what we call data transfer specifications that aim to meet the sponsor's data requirements for whatever system that data will ultimately end up in. We negotiate on the data format, which columns are allowed to have missing values if that's the case, duplicate record handling, because that can be an issue depending on the destination of the data. I would also say even frequency of transfer, how often the file heads out to the sponsor, as well as maybe even how to manage any queries or questions about the data in terms of you know, data quality or errors, corrections, things that have to happen at the vendor side, because they are the source of the data, they're the authoritative source. So it really would be good then to, to negotiate early on how those types of things would be handled. So just to clarify, if it sounds like um, a sponsor has a study, some analyses are going to be done maybe by a small university lab, others by a large central lab. You have some flexibility to ask for and get back different sorts of packages from each of those that can eventually be combined into a useful uh, package for the sponsor. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens every day. That's It happens at the beginning of the trial when everything is just getting all set up and everything is new. It even happens midway through the trial. You bring on a new vendor and you have to start those conversations again. All right. So maybe that leads right into the next question about what's the best time to engage a vendor about sample tracking or any other aspect of data i'm going to say as soon as possible that's the answer yes. for every question that says when is the Always best time the definitely yeah Good. early like early contract <laughs> negotiations <clears throat> just when you know procurement is getting online and starting to draft those negotiations but honestly from my experience i think it's often overlooked early on in the contracting process, really because the emphasis is on the logistics of testing and storage, right? What is the capability of the labs to handle the samples? And I often see contracts that say, at most, a data manifest will be provided. That's it. That's but I need so much more detail. What's going to be in that manifest? How often can you get it to me? So really no clarification on the contents or how issues are handled. In my opinion, I think those early conversations should look like this. They should say the conversation around what sample data does the lab even store at all. For example, visit time point, receipt date, who shipped the sample to whom, maybe even a destruction date. We should have the conversation around, do they plan to ship any sample remnants, leftover sample back to a central lab or to the sponsor? And if they want that to happen, okay, great. Can they then provide shipping and destination information for those samples? I would also say, can we find out early on how our sample and subject identifiers captured 
in the data that they're storing because maybe it's different for each study. Maybe it's different per, for different systems that they're using even internally. Can we get clarification on that really early on? Does the lab have export capabilities, right? Are they that sophisticated or is it a manual process for them to pull this type of data together? Can they even perform data corrections in their system and how quickly and really how often can we get this data from them? Because we want to track samples as, as close to real time as possible. So if a vendor is even receiving samples every week, can we get the data every week? Or if it's something like we are only testing twice a year, once we have six patients and all of the samples associated with them, fine, can we get that those data feeds then twice a year from you? So all I think all of that conversation has to be early on at the table, even when we're just talking about testing and storage. So deciding right. on these items up front really minimizes any downstream issues with data transfers and also can avoid contract changes once the data is needed. There's nothing worse than going back to amend the contract once it's already been set and signed. These updates can sometimes take months to put into place with justification and budget adjustments and things like that, which could ultimately impact the data analysis timelines, which nobody wants to have happen if the, the study team has to wait for these changes. So yes, bottom line, earlier the better. Okay, so now we've talked about pretty much everything that could go wrong. So <laughs> give me an example of a success story about how somebody did this in a story about a vendor providing data. I have a great example. We here, I internally at Q Squared Biofortis, we've been working with a large vendor who provides so much translational work for a sponsor across multiple studies. And early on, we found that working through the data transfer design and specifications on a study-by-study -study basis with this vendor was really a lot of recreating the wheel every time. We were frustrated. They were frustrated. So collectively, with the sponsor, with the vendor, we worked together to create a single data transfer specification. So an agreement on exactly how all of the data would be formatted and sent all of the information would then work for all studies for that sponsor. So talk about efficiency. So the vendor was able to tailor their sample tracking exports, the data exports to align with these specifications and do it in a way that was pretty automated and really required minimal resourcing for them. So they were excited. We were excited because we're getting data much faster. And we also negotiated a way to receive all possible data values for each study that they set up in their system way before they actually received samples. So that on our side, we could get all of the pieces into place, everything set up, knowing all of the values is really important so we can do that translation like we talked about earlier and be ready when that first data feed arrives. So this has been going really well. I'm really happy about it. And I would love to see this model in place for all of our vendor labs, big or small, doesn't matter. Uh, it's a tall order and definitely requires some upfront resourcing to get the process set up, but it's absolutely well worth it. Nice. That sounds uh, like a lot of time saved. And as we mentioned, or you talked about in the previous question, renegotiating contracts takes up time that would have taken less time 
the first time around. Absolutely. It's, it's, I, I have to get yes, up to I've speed definitely... on things. And <laughs> yeah, it's on. a slow train. It's a really slow train. Yep. Always time to better to do it right the first time, as with everything. Measure twice, cut once. That's so, right. Barbara <laughs> Nagarash, thank you so much. If listeners want to learn more, there will be a link in the show notes to qsquaredsolutions.com. Thank you. Q Squared Solutions is a leading global clinical trial laboratory services organization providing comprehensive testing, project management, supply chain, biorepository, biospecimen, and consent tracking solutions. Leveraging our next generation technologies, we deliver agile and precise services designed to meet the diverse needs of our clients. We provide scientific expertise and innovative solutions for ADMI, bioanalytical, genomics, vaccines, and central laboratory services, including flow cytometry, anatomic pathology, immunoassay, molecular, and companion diagnostics with meticulous regional and global clinical trial implementation support and high-quality data delivery. At Q-Squared Solutions, our work is rooted in research, grounded in collaboration, and guided by our passion to turn the hope of patients and caregivers around the world into the help they need. To learn more, visit q2labsolutions.com. That's Q, the number two, labsolutions.com.